millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr. Susie Gage. I'm a psychologist at the University of Bristol, and my research aims to explore the associations between substance use and mental health. In this series of podcasts, I discuss a different recreational drug each episode. It has no judgement, no hyperbole and no spin. Just information about what we know about these substances, the harms, but also potential medical benefits, as well as myth-busting some of the misinformation out there. So here's the first discussion... And I'm chatting to Scroobius Pip about the most commonly used illegal drug out there, cannabis. Say why to drugs with Dr. Susie Gage. And we're rolling, so yeah. On this episode, I thought that we would talk about cannabis. Fantastic. That's a very popular one to discuss, a hot topic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it's the bud or the resin of the cannabis plant, and it's most commonly used by smoking. Some people eat it. You can potentially vape it, or Mm -hmm. you can smoke it with or without tobacco. Um, And I was going to ask you what you think the appeal is. Why do you think people use cannabis? Um, I mean... I'd say cannabis of all the drugs, it's got, it gets the best press. It's rappers like it, people in rock bands like it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's one of them that's so popular. And again, there is that that diversity now, particularly with vaping. And I, I, in my teens, I used to smoke weed. I've not smoked for for something like 15 or 16 years now. But again, the the off-putting parts at the time was that you generally mixed it with tobacco tobacco and tobacco was the one that you saw as the more dangerous of the two I guess as a as a stoner or whatever else was now with vaping and particularly in America where the laws have changed and you can buy all these edibles and 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 vape packs and things like that it's yeah it seems like the one that I don't know it's it's becoming the most acceptable of the drugs and it, it blew me away that America was the first to kind of go this is kind of all right you know yeah yeah it's it's very interesting how different it is treated in different countries yeah and that's perhaps uh something to talk about maybe in a future episode because i think for this one probably stick to um the effects yeah, of, of cannabis course. and that kind yeah. of thing but it's definitely something that i find very interesting as well so in terms of what does cannabis do yeah sort of there's shorter term intoxication effects that we can think about and then longer term potential um 
effects on your physical or mental health. So if we think 100%. about intoxication effects, um, if you smoke cannabis, you tend to get the peak effect up to about 30 minutes after you, after you smoke it, mm-hmm. and it can last for up to several hours. Yeah. And if you eat it, uh, this can be, it takes longer to feel an effect, but these effects can last for, for several hours. Is there a difference in the, in, in, in the effect in the way that you ingest it? If you know what I mean, on, on the actual f- f- physical effect of the drug, or is it just the time it takes to, to hit you? Or, um, Oh, that's quite a good question, actually. I think there's a difference effect because of the time it takes yeah, to hit you. So if a substance has an effect really immediately, this can create this kind of conditioning response. So um, sort of like Pavlovian response almost. Yeah. You start to associate the feelings with the substance more immediately because you get the hit yeah, more immediately. Of course. And that's how sort of um, addictions can, can develop from that yeah. kind of immediate pairing of these associations. And then also withdrawal effects as well as another thing that adds to addiction. Yeah. So if you smoke a substance, it gets into your bloodstream really quickly because of because it gets into your lungs straight away. Yeah, of course. Whereas if you eat something, you have to digest it, it goes through your stomach. So it takes a lot longer to get into the, into the bloodstream and then into the brain. So you don't get that bang that hit. immediacy yeah. of, of i've taken this and and here it is it's more a slow burn or a slow yeah a slow build i guess which yeah. i guess is 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 something that um needs caution in a way but because of that thing of you feeling it's not kicked in Absolutely. it's not done anything whereas it's a, a really easy example is um i remember reading about when you're full f- from just eating mm-hmm. that your stomach takes half an hour to let your brain know that you're full. And that's why at Christmas, after Christmas dinner, about half hour after you all go, oh my God, I've eaten far too much, but my brain didn't tell me that. So I guess it's a similar thing because mm-hmm. if you're eating something, it will take its time to get there. And there's often, there may be that thing of, I don't know if this is a, if, if this has had any effect. Oh, I'll, I'll take another one or I'll try another half or whatever yeah, else. And absolutely. It's that's so the much risk there. Whereas a joint is quite straight away. Yep. You know, or, or, no or more, more immediately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, exactly that. You know uh, when you're at your limit a bit, a mm-hmm. bit quicker. Yeah. So the effects that these uh, that cannabis can have, um, the sort of high effect. Yeah. People report feeling quite mellow, potentially feeling sleepy. Some people get kind of a bit paranoid. Yeah. Um, you might have sort of short-term memory problems. Um, you might feel a bit anxious, but you could also might feel really giggly, like having yeah. a great time. Some people report getting mild hallucinations, but this is a lot less common. It's, it's, it's a weird one. I've heard more, and again, I don't know any, any, any facts on this. It's, this is purely anecdotal, but I've heard more people speak of hallucinogenic effect or hallucinogenic potency when eating compared to when smoking. And again, I don't know if that's something in the, the, way, the, the, the way your body would take it in, but yeah, it's a weird oh, one. Because again, I never remember... F- from when I used to smoke and, and when I used to eat as as well, in fact. I never remember any particular hallucinogenic experience. I think if I ever spoke of any, it was purely because I thought it sounded cool and I wanted people to... Do you know what I mean? I'd exaggerate any effect to be, yeah, man, I was oh, so high I could see this and see this. No, no, I just got a bit giggly and a bit happy and a bit relaxed. And But that's another really important thing about how addictions can take hold or, or becoming sort of dependent on a substance because quite often the first time you use a substance it's not actually that great yeah. and you might be in a group of people who sort of want to want to do it and you think well I should join in with them and and after a while you're doing it 
and it you've sort of learned to enjoy the feeling of it. Whereas actually, if you'd just done it the first time from a purely sort of scientific perspective of what do I feel about this? Am I yeah. enjoying this experience? You, probably, you might not necessarily. Oh, oh, and one of the greatest examples of that, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a subject that we'll, that we'll be discussing in another episode, but alcohol is a great example of that. I don't know anyone who enjoyed alcohol the first yeah. time they tasted it. You and generally cigarettes. go and cigarettes, mm-hmm. yeah. You generally go, oh, this is this is unpleasant. Even if you even if you get drunk, it's an unpleasant feeling because because it's new to mm-hmm. you. So, yeah, dr- 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 drugs are weird in that way. And I guess again, it's the social um, p- pressures of this being a good thing or a bad thing that make you go. Although I didn't enjoy that. I want to do it again and I want to repeatedly mm-hmm. do it. And it's also interesting, I think, addiction, you've mentioned and n- numerous times. I, th- I think I was listening to Dr. Carl Hart talk once and he kind of pointed out, and it's a really simple fact that all, 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 all medical people will probably think it's not even worth mentioning, but how addiction, you can't become addicted to something on the first time. Addiction is something that you have to repeatedly take something mm-hmm. to form an addiction. Otherwise, it's not an addiction, if you know what I mean. So it was interesting on that, that you have a lot of drugs where it's that fear of, you try it once and you're addicted. And and that was a lot of the things to put people off w- weed or crack and, and things like that in the day. A lot of the media p- pressure or government pressure was a one token uh, uh, and you're an addict. And that apparently isn't the case. That's not a physical, or you're not a physical addict. Again, addiction, again, it's an interesting term because there's physical addiction and there's there's psychological addiction. Yeah. You can become addicted to Twitter you know, you, you know, there's things like that that can become addictive. So, yeah, it's an odd yeah. Time. I think perhaps maybe in next series we should have a whole episode dedicated to addiction and trying yeah. to understand it because it's it's quite poorly understood. It's very complicated and it's really important. So yeah, it's probably worth its own its own space. Yeah, maybe. I love the idea of that. Mm. Um, so back to cannabis. Yes, as well as the sort of uh, psychological intoxication effects that we've just discussed, there are also physiological changes that happen while right. you're intoxicated. So your heart rate increases. You get a dry mouth quite often. You get red eyes because the, actually the pressure of the fluid inside your eyeballs changes. Oh, wow. um, your muscles can relax, which can make it sort of slightly feel effortful to get up off the sofa yeah. and go and get the snacks or whatever. Um, <laughs> But, so these effects probably aren't that nice, but there are also potential beneficial effects of cannabis to multiple sclerosis in particular. Right. Um, and in fact, an extract of cannabis spray is now um, available on prescription in the UK and 26 other countries, this thing called Sativex, um, to ease the symptoms of multiple sclerosis. Oh, wow. That's mm. fascinating. And it's, it's, it's fascinating as... Uh, as well it, the the bit that surprised me of them was heart rate increasing mm. because again you think of 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 cannabis as being a relaxant but obviously it's a muscle relaxant but not necessarily a uh yeah a physical relaxant yeah. in in that sense but i guess it also makes sense because of the the talk of paranoia and yeah. things like that yep. so again and if your heart rate's too. up you kind of have that panic and anxiety but yeah it's fascinating and it's it's exciting when uh, uh, one of the reasons that we discussed doing these podcasts uh, when you were on my podcast was the fascinating thing as you were saying there of people from the medical background starting to look at drugs from an unbiased point of view and going right what here's what it does how can that help mm-hmm. and things like that if you're talking about um, um muscle relaxing and things like this then it makes sense that it could help 
bronchial sclerosis and, and, and numerous other things. Yeah. So that's kind of exciting developments, right? Or exciting, at least opening of the mind of going, right, here's, let's see how we can use this in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. But these um, short-term effects that we've discussed might then lead on to sort of more longer-term effects. So yeah. things like increasing heart rate means that actually in the sort of hour or two after smoking cannabis, you're five times more likely to have a heart attack in that, oh, wow. in that time period. But then it, that's similar to doing vigorous exercise. Yeah. So it's that, it's that kind of an effect. It's your five times increased risk, but yeah. the overall risk is, is pretty low. So are you saying that you could skip the gym and just get stoned on the sofa and the heart rate will have a similar... <laughs> well, it doesn't have the beneficial effects on, a, on any of the other things that exercise right, has yeah, beneficial yeah, sure. effects on. It just no, but that's interesting. potential and, negative effect. Yeah. And again, important as well to highlight the, the danger, but also the limitation of that danger. Because mm-hmm. again, that surprised me to hear that there's a higher risk of heart attack, yeah. but then interesting to say that's similar to exercise yeah. or if you've had to rush for the train or... I mean, and things like that. So... Exactly. The yeah, quantification that's interesting to have that caution, but also to say, look, it's yeah, it's not necessarily because that's that's the kind of thing again that it's a fact that the media could report and make a massive deal of when it may or may not be a massive deal. And there are certain things that again are definitely clearly a massive deal. I'm not saying this is or the point of these podcasts aren't pro or anti. They're just. Information. factual information yeah, so absolutely. yeah it's interesting on that the, the, that there's things that you could take out as a soundbite and say you're more you're there's a higher risk of yeah. heart attack but then you can qu- quantify that a bit and at least say well there's higher risk of heart attack you know <laughs> just a, just to give another example probably after sex that is actually heart rate the, will be the other example hugely and use, things yeah. like that yeah and no one's saying that we should all stop having <laughs> yeah. sex because it's 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 dangerous to your heart but yeah but it's a potentially important piece of information for people who have pre-existing heart problems or that kind of thing so quite uh, quite often the risk of certain substances are increased in certain subgroups of people and i think that's particularly important to think about for cannabis and we'll come on to the sort of potential impact on mental health in a bit because there are a few more physical health problems to talk about first because that's great because again because people talk of cannabis being good as a prescription drug essentially as well but people don't really know what thing is is good to to make it clearer what things it would benefit because again you generally think of it being a relaxed thing so you might think if someone has heart conditions that cannabis would be a good thing because it will calm them down and that's the complete opposite and that's that's fascinating because it's easy for people to get a tiny bit of information and and self-medicate yeah Yeah. and, and go right well my uh, my dad's getting older his heart's not great I've got another person who's dad who they sneak him a bit of weed and it really helps his particular condition or his particular thing. Mm-hmm. And you'd think that would be, but again, that's not the case. So that's interesting that heart conditions are one that it's kind of the opposite of what you'd think that yeah. it will, it'll chill you out. It'll mm-hmm. help you, but no, it's, but then a lot of this also might be due to the fact that most people, when they take cannabis, smoke it. Right. Yeah. So smoking and Certainly in the UK, most people mix it with tobacco when they yeah. smoke it as well. So all of the health problems associated with smoking will be added onto it. Then. Yeah. And even if you're not mixing it with tobacco, you're still burning something and inhaling burnt leaf, which yeah. potentially contains um, sort of carcinogens and that yeah. sort of thing. There's much less research about the effect on the physical, on your physical self of smoking pure cannabis mm-hmm. but there's a lot of research about the harms of smoking tobacco yeah. which again another episode for that again it's wonderful though that a lot of the risks 
that people in the anti-cannabis lobby or a lot of the stats on risk that they'd quote would be down to the legal part that Mm. we put in the bit the the drug that's legal in these joints that people are smoking is the bit that's potentially the most damaging or threatening in that way so yeah um so i think that's pretty much covered the sort of long-term physical effects Mm -hmm. and again i think an important thing to say here is that just because there's no evidence of harm doesn't mean that there's no harm it's because these studies haven't been done so it could perfectly well be that that cannabis could cause all sorts of problems that we don't yet know about just because we haven't been able to do good quality research to find out so this kind of thing is going on and another potential big problem is that brains don't stay the same over time and certainly when you're a teenager that's when there's a lot of development of your brain going on Mm And there's a cir- there's a sort of some circuitry in the brain called the endocannabinoids, or yeah. rather, the, yeah, cannabis receptors, basically, because you produce you produce endocannabinoids, and this part of the brain is developing during the teenage years. So, potentially, cannabis smoking could be more harmful when you're younger than right. when you're an adult, and that brain development goes on until you're about twenty or twenty one. And again, the evidence here isn't strong, but it's certainly suggestive that this area of the brain is certainly developing cannabis affects this area of the brain yeah so it's potential that so, so you think it'd have some kind of influence and an element on that and again well, that's, it's, it's possible yeah is and that's what's again interesting of the scientific approach rather than the the pro or anti is the fact is science is almost waiting to be proven wrong or to find out what's right and, yeah. and what's wrong the fact is all you can go off is what you know so far but you know you're always begging for more information, yeah. more that can be studied and more examples, right? Well, what you do with science is you come up with an idea and then you try and prove yourself wrong yeah, by, yeah, by experiments. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of research going on into that at the moment. Now, cannabis and mental health. Yes. So this is what gets reported in the media a lot. Cannabis causes schizophrenia. Um, cannabis um, lowers your IQ. Um, cannabis is increases your risk of other drug use. Mm-hmm. And... There's certainly evidence that cannabis use over long periods of time can lead to demotivation. So this can really disrupt your work or your schoolwork if you feel like you only really enjoy yourself while you're smoking cannabis and whenever you're not smoking it, you just don't feel like doing anything. But that's not really the same as cannabis causing the lowering of your IQ. It's the kind of thing where if you were sort of able to use it less or use it in certain situations it might not necessarily have these problems it's sort of the pattern of use rather than the use yeah it's it's, yeah it's the pattern uh, because that's interesting there because it's the kind of it's not saying that when you're on it it's having these effects it's when you're you're not on it and I, i always remember hearing um on qi i think it was um about coffee and how coffee is seen as a stimulant and gives you energy and the fact is it doesn't give you more energy than you had before you ever tried coffee. Yeah, it's bringing but you it's, out of withdrawal. It's, yeah, it's yeah. bringing you out of, of, of the withdrawal. So it's not actually this great thing. That get, and I've never had coffee in my life. So I kind of, I'm, I'm, I never plan to now because the fact is if I have it, it's pulling me, me down a level that, that I'm then having to spend money or or health health issues to get to get back to. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting one. That it's the, uh, Yeah, it's a hard one to attribute because you, 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 you can say that that's the fault of weed yeah. if... If someone is demotivated by not being as happy when they're, they're not on it, but it's not actually a direct effect or cause of weed. Yeah, it's the way it's that a grey area. Yeah. Using it. 
And in terms of psychosis, depression and anxiety, the ev- there's, there's consistent evidence from what we call observational epidemiological studies mm-hmm. that there's associations between cannabis use and later mental health problems. Right. However, the problem with these kind of research, and, on, and this is the type of research that I do, so I think it has benefits, but it's also really important to think about the limitations. And that's that you have to just watch what people choose to do. Yeah. And the people who choose to use cannabis are going to be different from the people who choose not to use cannabis in loads of ways other than just their cannabis use. Yeah. And it's trying to account for all of those differences in all the studies that you run is really, really difficult. Right. Yeah, completely. So, um, yeah, it's not a simple thing to say which we, we're testing on this person and their mental health has gone from here to here. But all you're taking into account is their cannabis use. You're mm-hmm. not taking into account the other ups and downs of their lives, their other uses, their other things like that. So yeah, that's yeah, it's 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 a vague one where it, uh, it's I guess it's the whole causation or co- or correlation yeah. um, argument of right is this is this affecting it or is this just a symptom of that lifestyle of that yeah s- social situation is there something happening earlier in life that's affecting both drug yeah. use and mental health yeah or exactly i think that was was one of the things that we discussed mm. when you were on the podcast the fact it's 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 fascinating that it could be something else that has caused the drug use and the mental yeah. health issue whereas all we're gauging from is when the drug use started and seeing from there what the effect yeah. was whereas that may have been Cog's already in motion. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, that regardless of if they'd engaged in 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 in, in cannabis use, if it had gone either or way. it could be perfectly possible that the cannabis use does increase the risk slightly, but it's only in conjunction with all of the other risk factors in that person's yeah. life that sort of pile up and eventually tip them over the edge. And so mm-hmm. the cannabis use is one tiny part in a big picture yeah. of risk for mental health problems. But again, an easy part to latch onto and use as an example of. This is evil because mm-hmm. look at this. Yeah, and in terms of interventions, it's easier to stop someone use it or tell someone not to use cannabis than it is to completely change society so that people don't grow up in poverty and yeah. and that kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah. It's not necessarily what I would pick as the most important thing to change, but, but it's, it's certainly easier to target. It's an attackable uh, part of the of, of of the problem, isn't it? I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. Right, so what I was thinking now is that we could move on to talking about myths, myths around cannabis. Yes, there's a lot. There are a lot. So cannabis is a gateway drug. Right. That's that's something you hear a lot, that people use cannabis and then if they use cannabis, they're more likely to then go on to use harder drugs like cocaine or even heroin. Um, And so if you can stop the cannabis, you'd stop all of that Mm -hmm. sort of cascade. I mean, it's an interesting one because it kind of gives cannabis the 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 warm hug of being the more acceptable of the drugs if if you know what I mean because that's that has always been the way it's like well yeah but it will lead to this so in a way it's in many ways that that statement is saying that that cannabis isn't that bad but it will lead to this mm. which is a, it's a really odd um b- b- backhanded compliment in a way it's like the actual effects of cannabis are fine but it's what it could lead mm. to that's the problem but again is that yeah well there's certainly theoretical reasons why it might be the case but they're not because of cannabis itself it's because of cannabis's legal status yeah so you have to become a criminal to use cannabis because it's illegal and so you have to go and buy your cannabis off someone who is a criminal Mm -hmm. and that person who you're buying your cannabis off is probably not just selling cannabis yeah sure so that's the way you become exposed to these 
more of I mean that cocaine and certainly heroin is definitely more yeah. harmful. Yeah. That's not to say that cannabis isn't harmful. Generally there aren't really any drugs that aren't harmful, but you have to kind of weigh up the harms and make decisions. Yeah, sure. And some drugs are going to be more harmful than others. And if that's the the way that you come across these drugs is by um going to these people who are selling them, yeah. then they're going to want to sell you more drugs. They're potentially going to want to get you hooked on a drug that's more addictive. So that is a perfectly reasonable route by which cannabis could be a gateway drug. But it's really easily solvable by separating the cannabis from the other drugs. I was going to say, it's kind of fascinating that the argument of cannabis being a gateway drug is actually one of the strongest arguments for the legalisation of cannabis, surely. Because if you're saying that it's a gateway drug, but not through any any technical or scientific at typical levels purely through situational if you then removed it from that situation therefore anyone using cannabis or wasn't having to go to their street dealer or whoever else then it stops it being a gateway drug well and you can look to the netherlands to see uh again this isn't you can't infer causation from this but they moved cannabis use into coffee shops away from dealers on the street and they have one of the lowest uh rates of heroin use Right. In Europe. Could be a coincidence, could not be a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. But certainly very interesting. It's fascinating, yeah, because again, it's, 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 it's changing the atmosphere and location of, of, of the use of these mm-hmm. drugs. And it's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting one because it's chosen the putting of cannabis in, in, into coffee shops. I don't know how um, planned and thought out that action is, but I think it's a really fascinating one because it's made that a drug you don't associate with clubs or with with all these other things. And it, I, I guess it was was never that kind of drug. But it's, I don't know, it's interesting where it was then r- r- removed from and taken into this world of it's one for more a chilled out evening and a, and a relaxing evening rather than let's, let's get off our face and go mental kind of thing, <laughs> you know? Mm. It's a strange area. All right, next myth. Yes. Uh, cannabis is natural, therefore it's harmless. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is obviously ridiculous. Yeah. There are so many natural things that are harmful that it's it's yeah. a bit absurd anyway. But yeah. um, again, that is always one that I love. People are like, well, yeah. you know, it's 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 natural. It's gr- it's gr- it's growing on the ground. How can mm. it be bad? It's like, well, there's tons of mushrooms Fox that are poisonous gloves. and yeah. <laughs> all sorts of stuff <laughs> that can shade, kill yeah. you. And there's loads of stuff that isn't natural that's hugely beneficial to you yeah. and and to us in in medication and all sorts of other things. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, cannabis does lead to dependence in about ten percent of people who use it. Yeah, and that's an interestingly a, a low amount, though. Yeah, again, that's it kind seems of... like it might be something else at play. Perhaps genetic susceptibility yeah. to to cannabis dependence. And there is a physical withdrawal for people who are dependent on it: um, decreased appetite, decreased weight, mood problems, and insomnia. So mm-hmm. it's not just a psychological addiction as yeah. well. That's interesting. So harmless, it is not. Right. Um. Okay, myth number three. Holding the smoke in your lungs increases the amount of THC, one of the active ingredients right. that you absorb. It's not yeah. It's not true, or certainly the experiments that have been done so far don't suggest yeah. that that's true. What's actually happening is that you're holding your breath, so you're starving your brain of oxygen and you get a head rush. Yeah. 
But obviously, it's stoner science, yeah. right? It's like, well, here's definitely this will make all the difference. Where there's, it's not actually. But holding up in the any smoke manner. in your lungs is really bad in terms of carcinogens getting into your lungs. The right, longer you hold course. the smoke in your lungs, the more harm it's likely to do to your lungs. Yeah. So, so this is a really, really bad idea, basically. So effectively, you could get the same perceived effect by smoking a bit and then after that just, just holding, holding your breath because it's a head rush <laughs> all you're getting there is a head rush and at least you're not then getting the the increased negative effect of the carcinogens so mm. that's a fascinating one again because it it's weird because it's things like that that as as again i'm not i using stoner as a, a derogatory term because there was points at college i would 100 percent be described as a stoner but it's that stoner logic of i've done this i'm feeling an effect mm. immediately therefore everything's at play rather than the fact that if you're stoned and you hold your breath you're going to have that that yep. same effect regardless you're going to get a head rush and you're going to be more aware of it and and so on i want to run this experiment now i wonder if uh, anyone yeah. will fund me to run that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. just <laughs> probably not the, yeah. the, the benefits or effects of holding your breath on different kinds of drugs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you see what difference it makes it's fascinating okay and final myth uh Cannabis will cure cancer, but big pharma don't want us to know this because they can't market cannabis. Again, huge conspiracy theory um, in, in those respects and often the way of of things being tied in that people who are into conspiracy theories often tend to be into to, to weed or something like that. So it's, it, it, it always interests me when conspiracy theories come up mm. that kind of relate or justify stuff that they're into as a reason it's like that's that's a really convenient conspiracy theory there that that's come up so yeah is that well there are sort of half truths and little bits of potential interesting information here there have been trials to try and use cannabis to prevent sort of nausea associated with um uh treatment for cancer yeah with chemo and stuff like that with chemotherapy um and uh but so far they haven't really it hasn't really been seen to be that beneficial yeah. but it does seem to stop nausea so that was a potential for treatment yeah that makes sense um, but the idea that cannabis can't be marketed and therefore big pharma are trying to sort of suppress it is is just ridiculous because now there is sativex that is being marketed it's a medicine yeah. so it's just patently not true yeah um And I won't go into too much more detail now, but what I'll do is I'll link to a great blog on the Cancer Research UK website that's updated all the time. I think it was last updated six months ago or so um, about all of the evidence so far about whether cannabis can cure cancer. And so far, there's just no good evidence, certainly not in humans. But it's not that people aren't looking. This research is being done. And if if there is some way that it could be beneficial, like it will be found because people are looking. Yeah, yeah, it'll be found out. That's interesting. And and again, the interesting th- thing you said there is that there's small bits that that's suggest there might be something there and that's the key to every conspiracy theory. That tiny bit of information yeah. that you can then, again, on both sides, on, 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 on attacking a drug and on being pro a drug, is that tiny bit of information that you can put your whole house on and say, well, it is a fact that it does this, therefore extrapolate huge yeah Yeah. huge exaggerations on what that therefore then proves and that's that's on the on the as said on the anti and on on the on any pro drug uh side so it's yeah it's good to to, to kind of have that there it's like no despite what you've read yeah that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that it's this this magic cure Mm -hmm. okay so now 
what we still don't know about cannabis, mm-hmm. and there's quite a bit here and something really quite important, and this is that there's lots of different active ingredients in cannabis. Right. So the one that people really hear about most is probably THC. Yeah. And um, THC is the ingredient that induces sort of psychotic-like experiences while you're intoxicated. So mm-hmm. the things like the paranoia and the anxiety. And this is this has actually been tested in randomised controlled trials. It really does induce transient psychotic experiences. Right. Um, and there's some evidence that THC levels in cannabis have been rising over the past 50 years. Okay. But there are loads and loads and loads of other ingredients in cannabis as well. And potentially the different levels of them could make the drug have a really different effect on a person right yeah so another another one that's been a bit more researched is one called cannabidiol also known as cbd Mm -hmm. and cbd seems to have dropped in the well certainly the ratio between thc and cbd seems to have changed over the past sort of 10 to 15 potentially even even longer years and there have been some pilot studies that have suggested that cbd might be antipsychotic Right. So you can see why this could potentially be a problem if THC levels are on the rise and CBD levels are on the fall. And researchers have um, tried to look at this and they tend to use skunk as shorthand for high THC, low CBD and hash as shorthand for one with a sort of pretty equal ratio of THC and CBD. And I've been told by, by cannabis users that actually it is perfectly possible to get skunk with higher CBD or hash with really high levels of THC. But this is the shorthand that's used because that's more common in terms of research. So if I do refer to skunk and hash, I'm sort of using them in that kind of in those terms. Shorthand. And that's interesting because again, in 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 my days, if it skunk was just the stronger, mm. more you know, more potent, more. So it's interesting to know what it's yeah. stronger in and more potent in, kind of specifically, I guess. Yeah. Um, and there are researchers now who are really worried about about this and think that perhaps. The research that's been done to date has been done on on people who were smoking cannabis or the, the data was collected sort of 10 to 15 to 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So actually the cannabis that they were using then is probably really quite different to the cannabis being used now. And potentially that means it's really difficult to know whether these effects that we're seeing in these research still hold true today or whether yeah. actually they're completely different. So it's another potential problem though that regulation might be able to solve if you could then choose what you wanted to smoke because you could see well this has got this percentage of thc and this percentage of cbd and potentially other substances as well and it's 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 something that could be that we could quite quickly get quite a clear understanding on again this similar to how alcohol has its percentages on the side has its strength you kind of Mm -hmm. know all right i want that kind of night or i want (laughs) <laughs> this kind of night kind of thing you know there's that's that's kind of in there so mm. yeah it's 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 interesting there on the regulation side how yeah how much more control people could have because you're not getting any breakdowns on the side of a clear bag mm-hmm. of weed or whatever else yeah, that you're getting absolutely. from your dealer there's just here's some stuff it's really good yeah. or it's really strong this or, is what's available yeah and again there'll be a, a, a loose bits of information f- floating around like this is a really happy high or this is a really this is a heavier high and things like that but that's so vague mm. and so inspecific that you're being told oh it's a happy oh really yeah is that it's is happy it, for you, it medically a happy high happy yeah exactly yeah. yeah it's the different effects mm. um and finally 
we still don't really know who, if anyone, is at particular risk to their mental health from using cannabis. But I think this is something that we'll be able to find more and more about as, as research goes on. So genetic information, for example, there is some suggestion that cannabis use is at least partly heritable, meaning there might be some kind of genetic predisposition to using cannabis. And studies that are trying to look across the whole of the human genome to find what it's, there's very unlikely to be a specific gene that predicts cannabis use. Yeah. But it might be a combination of lots of different genes all having a very small effect. And in fact, this, there's a study that's just been published that has found um, no uh, significant hits for this, but quite a lot of sort of interesting looking associations suggesting that there is a lot of, a lot of different areas in the genome that all have a tiny, tiny impact on right. increasing your risk. And obviously it's not the only thing as well. Your genes won't determine it, but they might play a part. So if you could look at at people and say, well, your parents had problems with cannabis, so it's probably not worth you doing it, or your parents had problems with mental health, so cannabis might be a risk factor for you where it wouldn't be for someone else. Or you had a lot of... um, difficulties during your childhood so you're just you might be a bit more vulnerable you might find it just slightly harder to cope yeah again we don't know how to identify these people yet but if we could it might be really really helpful to actually target interventions at these people who really are at quite high risk from cannabis use whereas other people might might be at a very very low risk yeah it's it's, it is a a fascinating one because it just highlights even more how it's all individual um experience and 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 reaction and can be completely different for different people Mm -hmm. so again i i know people who are at their most creative on 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 cannabis i know people who are the least creative on cannabis so even from those levels of direct effect it's it's different but again it's similar to alcohol and similar to all these other things that you it's such a casual thing to say oh he's oh he's a terrible drunk he's an angry drunk or he's a friendly drunk and things like that so and that's something that's just acceptable and part of our society so it's not necessarily a bad thing or a demonizing thing to say that we don't really know what causes the different effects if you know what i mean or or, or who's susceptible t- t- to what because that's kind of an acceptable thing in everything that we have some people can eat pizza all their lives and remain skinny and some and some can't it's we react to different things mm. in different ways i guess yeah and also people are trying to work out whether there might be any other benefits from cannabis yeah. so we mentioned multiple sclerosis but anecdotally people with arthritis yep. sometimes report that cannabis helps there's even been some suggestion that maybe it could be a treatment for anorexia it does boost appetite so mm-hmm. potentially it, that could be a use that's as well yeah. and this kind of research is is ongoing at the moment i mean that's re- that, that's really good and is 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 it a recent thing that there's kind of more openness to to this kind of research for those reasons because it is one i was going to say all the positive stories i hear of cannabis helping all different kinds of things all tend to be anecdotal i don't really hear that much of it's medically proven that it's good for arthritis or good for this you'll hear loads of oh my granddad it really sorted him out and helped him out it's like that's as bad as the other way of anecdotal evidence of someone going crazy when they had had one joint and they went off the rails kind of thing so you've got to have that balance on either side so it's interesting that there's ongoing studies now to try and yeah well find um, out more. watch this space and hopefully we'll be able to report back when studies are are done perfect so there you have it 
And one thing I wanted to mention before we finish up is that actually cannabis did used to be used in a medical context back in the Victorian times. Tincture of cannabis, which is cannabis dissolved in alcohol, used to be prescribed for pain problems. And as we mentioned, cannabis is addictive and it can be difficult to quit. And if you're struggling and you're looking for help, I've included some links here to things that might be useful for you. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. If you've got any questions or you've got any comments, I'm on Twitter at Suzaphone. And um, if if you enjoyed the podcast, I hope you'll subscribe and I hope you'll join us in a couple of weeks. And the next uh, substance we'll be talking about is going to be tobacco. You've been listening to Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr Susie Gage. The music was by Jim Murray. Say Why to Drugs would not have been possible without the generous support of I'm a Scientist, Get Me Out of Here, the Medical Research Council and Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces Network. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.